This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. In in Genesis chapter two, verse 20, it says this, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Notice that, notice that uh, they, they, he gives her a name after, he gives her a name after the fall. And, and he gives her a name after he's named all the other creatures. Of course, she was created from his side after all the other creatures have a name, but she doesn't get a name until after the fall. And I think that is very important because I think, I, I think this means, and I think it is significant, is that is that Adam and Eve were one flesh. And if you'll remember, when when she was created, uh, when she was created in from his side, he said, "Now this is flesh of my bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh." And she will be called woman in the sense of she came from his side. And what he was saying was, is this was this is uh, this is her position? Is she is. She is a woman because she came from man, but he didn't name her until after the fall. He didn't name her until after, until after they were sinful. And I want you to think about that. She didn't have a name before that because they were so close. They were so intimate. They were so one in purpose and meaning, one in spirit and life that to tell you that she wasn't, she, she, there was no name for a name. There was no need to have a separate name for each one of them because because together they were one. That's a Rod coming in, so don't worry about him. And it's one of my it's one of my dogs barking. <laughs> he's uh, he's home uh, spring break. Uh, he's a graduate assistant at Troy, and he's home from spring break. Don't worry about him. Back to Eve. Eve didn't have a name, and you got to remember why did Adam have a name? Adam actually is Adam which is the word we use for man. So the truth is Adam and Eve didn't have a name. And the reason they didn't have a name because they were man and woman. And, and when they were together without sin, uh, they were intimate. They were totally together. There was no need for a name. And if you've ever had a relationship with someone, especially a spouse, where you were that close, the fact you were uh, that close as, as far as one in thought and one in mind and one in heart, if you were, if you ever had a relationship with that, you realize that the truth is that I don't call Kathleen's name very often unless I'm calling her on the phone or unless I don't know where she's at or she's not around here. But the truth is, if most of the time I don't need her name, she's my wife and I'm her husband, and we communicate in so many nonverbal ways in so many ways with our body language, in so many ways with being in tune with each other and how we're acting that you, I don't have to 
I don't have to ask her how her day's going. I need to ask her how her day's going so that she can communicate with me. But I don't have to ask her because I can tell by how she is when she walks in. I can most of the time tell exactly how her day's going, and she can do the same with me. And and when sin entered the world, and when Adam and Eve were in that garden together, and notice they were together, and uh, when they ate of the fruit of that tree, it caused separation. Sin causes death. And it causes separation between us and God. But more importantly, not more importantly, as importantly, it causes separation between people. It causes separation between two people. And and humanity is separate from each other because of sin. Sin separates us not only from God, but it separates us from each other. And we were made to be intimate with God, but we're a creature made for relationship. And we were made to be have intimate, close, personal relationships with other people. We were made to be able to love and be able to build and be able to change and make a difference in each other's lives. And, and those relationships are very important. And sin breaks those things. We're not walking in the will of the Father hurts us. It, it, it destroys the intimacy, not only of a husband and a wife, but it destroys the intimacy of human beings together with each other. And Adam named his wife Eve. And the reason she na- he named her Eve is because Eve means living or those who live. And he named her that because she was the mother of living. And what that's letting us know is that she's, have, she's having children. It also lets us know not only that, that they had lost some closeness, some intimacy because of sin, but it also lets us know that she began to have children. And at the start of the next chapter, we're going to see that her first two children are going to find conflict with each other. A conflict from what? What causes that conflict? Sin does. Sin causes a conflict. Sin breaks the intimate relationship that we're to have with God and we're to have with each other. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin or tunics of leather or tunics of hide and clothed them. Notice, God covered sin, and this is very important. This verse is of great importance because it's a foreshadowing of God's law coming in the future. He says here, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, which means he killed an animal. Notice an animal was killed, and Adam and Eve before then had eaten just of the fruit of the tree. Remember, he placed them in the garden, and he said, of the fruit of all the trees in the garden you may eat, but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat. Before that, Adam and Eve had not eaten flesh or meat. At this time, God God sacrifices an animal, and this is a foreshadowing of without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, you cannot pay for sin. And, and that foreshadowing is real important. It's, it's going to play out all the way to the cross. Because the shedding of blood pays for our sin. And and when Adam and Eve were separated from God, and remember what they caused them, the physical manifestation of that separation was their nudity, their nakedness. And their nakedness was a picture of their sinfulness. And they said, we were naked and afraid. Notice that God covers that nakedness and he covers that fear with life. He ta- he, life has to be given to cover that up. And so God made a tunic of skin and clothed them. He clothed them with with atonement, an, an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice that paid for that. And notice they've 
lost the intimacy of the relationship they have with God, but they haven't totally lost the relationship with God. And the reason they haven't is because there has been a sacrifice made and there have, has been a promise of a sacrifice, complete sacrifice to come. It says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. And this is one of those passages that is confounding to a lot of people. And it's one of those passages that's going to happen a couple of times in Genesis. It says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Now, how has he become like one of us? He's become like us in that he understands or he has the concept or he has in his heart the idea of not God. Before that, all that he was in the camp of God. He was choosing God's will. He was walking in God's will. He was one with God, and he was one with his wife. But now, not so much. Now humanity has become like, he's become like God in that he knows of, he understands, he's become intimate with the law. And he's become intimate with not knowing who God is, not walking with God, but the choice of walking outside of God's will and outside of God's plan. To know God, to, and notice he says, to know good and evil. And that word for know means to have learned and become intimate with. He, he's learned evil and he's become intimate with it. We already know that he'd learned good and he'd become intimate with good before he ate the fruit of the tree. Problem with the law is not uh, the knowledge of the good. The problem with the law is that it also adds the knowledge of evil and it opens the door to that evil. He said, and now lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. He says, he says, we don't, we're not going to give him eternal. We're not going to allow him to have eternal life by eating of the tree by his own will. It's going to be, have to be someone else's will that brings about life. And it can't be Adam's will. God's will is what brings about our life. And the subtlety of this passage is very important. It's very important because notice God doesn't put the idea of eternal life or the idea of having eternal life. He does not put it, place it in the hands of man. Because if he'd allowed man to have that place, if he'd allowed man to have that opportunity, if he'd allowed man to choose that at that time, man would have been eternally damned, eternally lost. And so he was not going to allow that to be the case. He was not going to allow man to have the choice between eternal life and, and eternal separation from God. He uh, immediately steps in and he says, we're not going to give man that choice. And therefore, if he doesn't give man that choice, then the choice has to reside somewhere else. And who does the choice reside with? Notice God said, but he said, behold, he's going to become like us, meaning who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the choice, the decision about eternal life is taken away from man. It's taken away from the devil. It's taken away from those who, who, uh, who have chosen to know evil, and it's placed in the hands of God. Eternal life is given, is placed in the hands of God and eternally removed from those who, who, um, uh, wouldn't choose it, wouldn't choose God. And and I think you need to really think about that and see that. Oftentimes we want the choice. I want the choice. I want the choice. But the problem with that is, as my father Adam did, if I make the choice, then I will always choose the wrong thing. God knows that. And so God has made the choice for us. God has made the decision on our behalf. And he does it right here in the garden at the very start. 
He says, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden. Notice the Lord God separated him from that possibility. He sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Notice he sent him out of the garden to deal with, to deal with the curse of sin, which had come upon him because he'd chosen that. And remember, I talked about the curse of sin being a binding. It's being a, it's being tied to something. It's being limited. It's being set apart and cut off. Notice that the atonement for sin is there. He's given them skin. He's paid for, he's paid for their, uh, for their sin in the temporal, in the momentary with the animal and the sacrifice of blood. He's promised the eternal payment of sin through his son, Jesus Christ, the one born of woman who crushed the serpent's head. But in the hour that we live in, there is a tie to our sin. There's consequences. There's the struggle. And oftentimes the consequences of sin, we think of them as outward consequences. We think of them as as consequences that we got to face out there in the world. We think about standing before the judge or going to the principal's office. Uh Uh-oh, the boss, I'm in trouble with the boss. We think of those ideas of outward having to deal with our sin in the public and having to deal with our sin and the shame of the world we live in. The truth is the real pain and the real consequence of sin is not outwardly. It really isn't outwardly. It isn't outwardly at all. The consequences and struggle of our sin is inwardly. It's that separation we have from God. It's that separation we have from each other because we struggle with ourselves, so we can't be transparent and open to our friends and to our family and to those we're intimate with. We can't be our real self because we're struggling with the things inside and the depths of of despair that we deal with on a regular basis. We struggle with who we are, and therefore, the consequence of sin is the binding of ourselves. It binds us and keeps us from being who God made us to be. It just keeps us where we are in the curse of sin. And so God says, God says that sin has its, it has its consequence. It has its struggle. But you need to understand that the consequence and the struggle of sin, although it is outwardly many times, the inward consequence and the inward struggle of sin is the most destructive. It's the most corrosive. It's the most acoustic. It's the most devastating because it destroys who you actually should be. It eats at who you actually are. And that is the true cost of sin is not only do you lose your relationship with God, not only are you incapable of the intimacy with others that God always intended you to have, but really you lose yourself. And God is in the business of giving you yourself back. He's in the business of giving you hope back. He's in the business of giving you a relationship with him back. And then he's also in the business of making you a person that's capable of great relationships with others, life-giving relationships with others. And, and that's what, that's what life and uh, the life that God has provided through Jesus Christ gives us. It takes away the, the devastating cost of sin, not the outwardly one, but the inwardly one the one that really destroys the person that God always made us to be. He said, therefore, God, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground which he was taken. So he drove the man and he placed the cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every away to guard the way to the tree of life. And he's he's still in the process of taking us back to that tree. But on that tree, the fruit of the tree of life is Jesus himself. And uh, that tree is going to be offered, and it's going to be offered down the road. But uh, for that, for now, 
a man is going to have to struggle with his is choosing the law over grace, is choosing evil and death over life. And we see that ourselves, and we see the goodness that comes from God ourselves. And I hope that you see the neat things that come up in this passage of Scripture as we've gone through it this morning. It is a devastating passage of Scripture. And I want you to notice the most devastating part of that is the loss of intimacy with God, the loss of intimacy with those we're made to be most intimate with, our spouses and our family. And then ultimately, the loss of intimacy with other people of whom we're supposed to be a blessing to, and they're a blessing to us. And we lose that when we walk in in, in the not God that Adam chose long ago. But we'd have a choice ourselves. God made the first choice by choosing us. And then we love him because he first loved us. And then we get to choose to walk in the love that he's given us and to be life-giving life-changing, hope-carrying members of the kingdom of God. And so I hope you'll do that this week. I hope you'll be that this week. I hope you'll carry the life that God has made you for. And in the midst of all the struggles that you have, in the midst of all the difficulties that you walk in today, I I pray that you are the source of hope and life. You are the connection to the eternal that the world sees in you. And so I pray that. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.